Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, spooksters. This is coming at you on Tuesday because, unfortunately, my mic had a little bit of a hiccup, and it was not good quality, and we pride ourselves in making sure that it doesn't sound like I'm talking through a plastic bag. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we are uh, we're re-recording this. If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, Instagram, or Threads. Our handle is at 3 Girls. We also have our really great Facebook group. They just picked the February book of the month. You should definitely go check it out if you're interested. It is 2024. And if you are interested in growing your book reading numbers, because Tara and I saw this article, apparently she and I are in the one percentile of readers in the United States mm-hmm. as we both read over 50 books last year. Woo! I know. And all of you that did too. And all of that you did too. Yeah, you are um, up there. Oh, I know I've asked you this. I think I have. So when you read, do you see a movie of it or like what is happening in your brain when you're reading? I would say yes, I do see that. But it takes me like three chapters to like get to know a character. Like I have to kind of like grow who the character is in my mind. Like when I read Harry Potter, it's very like vivid. Muscle memory. Yes. (laughs) But the thing is, is because the books and the movies are like, there's so much more in the books, I get to see that play out in my head. But yeah, for me, when I like read a book and love it, and then I watch the movie and the character doesn't look like it, what's in my head, I get a little sad. I do at least picture things. Do you? Mm -hmm. I do. But I was going to say for people that don't, I could see why reading would not be as enjoyable, maybe. Oh, that's true. I could see that. Honestly, I think everyone should aim to read at least a book a year, you know? Yeah. And and sometimes it takes finding what books you like. Mm-hmm. Like my boss reads Lord of the Rings all the time. Mm-hmm. Even if you reread the same book. I think yeah. reading has such like a great way of like opening your mind and head to the Facebook group because if you're like, hey, I really like this book, who has suggestions? Somebody in there is going to be like, I got you. If you need smut options, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely join the Facebook group. It's Three Spook Girls Official and we do lots of fun things in there. We also have a Patreon. If you want to help support the show, you can do so heading over to patreon.com backslash Three Spook Girls or in the show notes, there's a link tree. You just click it. It takes you right to where you need to go. 
for little as a dollar, you get bonus episode. Five and up get special video content just for patrons. That includes our vital conversations. When we interview someone, the patrons who are of the five and up tier get to watch us interview. And sometimes it's funny because like there's always these like little nuances that you miss when <laughs> When you ask a question and someone's like, huh, and like the facial expression. So I think they're fun. You get ad-free episodes. And most of the time they come out the day before. You know, with the holidays was a little trickier because like, you know, we we were having a good time. And I was very, I traveled so much in December. (laughs) Yeah, just the end of the year is rough. Yes. And I made Tara do things with me. Mm -hmm. Like normally we have like a chill. I was like, we are going to do (laughs) Yes, we were busy. And she was like, I could just tell. She was like, I am tired. Stop it. (laughs) Me and Bug both hyper after you left like the first like weekend day (laughs) they were like but then so did I so it's fine (laughs) definitely check it all out Tara is on TikTok she has really great content over there if you like true crime paranormal fun things just check it out it's good stuff when I say it's more like I don't want to say relevant it's not the word I'm looking for but it's like more like current events current events it's like faster paced because a lot of times by the time we get onto the show to do something it's been several weeks since it came out and, and if you're wanting her take on like true crime events that are happening that are big she got you over there so definitely check it out and we will be starting our youtube you can if you want to watch tara and i talk you can definitely go over to youtube that will be in the link tree as well all that information or if you're already subscribed to what was formerly the spooky sleuth youtube it is that channel yes everything has changed over we somehow accidentally did have like a previous channel but like we didn't use it so that's gone so there's no confusion when you like search us and stuff now it's all there if you're in the facebook group you may have already seen the link who knows i was planning on posting it tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't remember where we left off in part one well it's the end of the episode really i don't remember the end of the first episode because it's been a couple weeks since we did this if you haven't listened to the first one go do that and then that will tell you (laughs) past us we'll tell <laughs> you that. what happened pause right now go back and listen to the last three minutes of the last episode there <laughs> now that we're all caught up <laughs> so this this one is really an interesting kind of it gets really more into like who john is as a person and you kind of meet some other people in rashonda's life you kind of get to talk or her two best friends talk a little bit more about kind of her i would say mental health around the time of her disappearance and her her friends are named Mandy and Michelle, and they were basically in foster care at the time because their step parents had been abusing them in the same way that was alleged that John was abusing Rashonda. I fully believe he was. I just have to say alleged because it's never been proven. Right. So I want everyone to know that I said alleged, but it's only a technicality. And so we don't get sued. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and John, John is the last person to see Rashonda and he's the last person to see Kay Turner. So it's kind of really interesting that this man has these like two. You're the last person for two people. You're the last person that saw two different people alive in two different like areas. Not not that far, but like two different areas, two different decades. Interesting. It is. Either like something's going on or uh, you have like the worst luck in the world. Right. That's my thing. You're worried. you have the terrible luck, sir. But that's I don't think is the case whatsoever. So if you remember, we talked, we heard from a guy named Gary who uh, basically works at the 
Camp Sherman store. I remember he's like the last thing that we hear in the episode is he's like, I know the voice because when he was watching the Rashonda Pickles broadcast, he heard John say, I think I was the last person to see her. And he was like hit in his tracks because he had come in. So if you remember, Kay's gone missing December 24th of 1978. People are like out looking for her. The kind of the recap is that is that she's been missing and that John is presumed to be the person who killed her. She isn't discovered until like much later. But January 11th, after... Kay's family, or more like her friends, had decided, hey, I'm going to put up a $1,000 reward. John comes in to claim the reward because he found her clothes. Mm -hmm. The photos of the clothes is that they're haphazardly like thrown out on top of like pine needles. And if you don't, if you've never grown up, like if you've lived in a city your whole life, you might not understand the significance of that. But like pine needles are kind of like, think about it like an archaeological dig where like you would have a layer of pine needles and then like, let's say you threw a candy wrapper down. That candy wrapper would lay on top of those pine needles and then more pine needles would fall. So then it would kind of be able to give you a timeline. And the fact that she had been missing since December and it was now like January or f- February, I think at this point, it was, it was January. That's a big significance. Yeah. There should be way like there were no pine needles on top. It was just clothing. So unless he like saw the clothes, picked them up, shook them off and laid them back down, which he doesn't say. And here's the thing. John, you'll find out he writes his own story and he dooms himself. Mm -hmm. The thing is, people are going to be like, how is this? (laughs) We'll explain how. But basically, just so that you know, the cops, even though it's a small town, even though they're not that well equipped, because literally like Camp Sherman had no crime, like they had a volunteer sheriff. This guy named Mark was like the volunteer sheriff. They didn't have shoplifters. Right. It was just a nice community where most people came in and summered and then went home or had cabins and stuff. My favorite is that the store still has a system where you can come and have credit, like not like a credit card, but like you have like like a tab. Yeah, like you write down like I bought a soda and they're like, okay, 250 and they put it on that and then you come back later and pay it. I think that's today. So think about how trusting they were in the 70s before bad things had happened. Right. You know, and so John, they were like, where did you find them? He explains it, blah, blah, blah. Then back and forth. So that was in January. Then in February, they bring John back in for a polygraph because they asked him like, hey, do you think you could sit for a polygraph test? And he was like, sure, I'll do it. Because John... I love one detective was like, when you look at him, you couldn't, you didn't think he was the smartest person in the world. And I was like, oh, that's a true statement for fucking sure. So John sits down and they ask him several questions. And like, John actually fails the polygraph test. So like one of the questions that they ask him was, have you ever touched Kay Turner? And he said no. And he obviously failed. And when they came back later and they were like, interviewing him or interrogating him about that he said look i'm gonna be honest with you after the whole clothes thing i didn't really trust you guys and i was walking through the woods and i saw her body laying on top of the snowbank okay and i ran up to see what was happening because i saw a body laying there and i touched it but because of the fact that i didn't trust you guys i didn't i'm obviously paraphrasing shit on here guys mm-hmm, but this is mm-hmm. basically the story he tells and like the cop was like he said that this happened in early february and there had already been three foot of snow at that point 
So there's no way that a woman who was abducted on December 19th or December 24th, her clothes found in January, was found on top of snow. It would have made more sense if he was like, oh, I saw like her foot hanging out, like coming out of the snowbank or like her hand or, you know, some kind of like hair or something like that. Which would make much more sense. Exactly. But like the fact that he was like, she was on top of a log on top of snow. That's not how that works. Even if she was on top of the log, there would have been three foot of snow on top of her. Her body, because she was dead, not melted the snow. It's not like if if I lay in the snow, I might melt it a bit. That's not happening. They bring in a guy who went to school with him, who was actually one of the, like, I think it's Jefferson County, like, sheriffs. And ironically, (laughs) I don't know if it's ironic, actually, this dude worked the night shift. And John's mom is a dispatcher with the police and works with this guy. Like, he's the only sheriff who works at night, like, literally the only one at night. And so he and John's mom hang out and talk all the time. And in fact, over the years, John had come up. I mean, like if you grew up with, like if, you know, if you work with somebody's mom and you grow up with them, you're going to be like, hey, so how's John doing? Like it just, it makes sense. I don't know. I keep saying John in, in my head. I keep hearing the John Mulaney joke where it's like he and his two other friends named John get busted for smoking pot. <laughs> Your name better not be fucking John. I don't know. I just... No, it won't leave my head. <laughs> but John is just like, he's literally digging himself in. They ask him for his alibi for the day of December 24th. And he has a really nice alibi. So he has a friend by the name of Roger Beck. Roger Beck is like his best friend. They've been friends a long time. In fact, do you remember Jennifer, who was the cousin of Roshonda? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like her mom once dated him all connected yeah yeah or it's like one of his her sisters did or something it's like one of her aunts but basically roger beck is known and john says i was with him and so then they go talk to him and he goes well i was at home and they talk to his wife named pam now everyone's gonna get real mad at pam for a while trust us in the next episode you're not gonna be so mad at pam but this episode you're gonna be real mad at pam because pam tells the police they were here all day they were with me now i'm gonna spoil it a little bit pam lied people lie when they feel threatened and you'll find out in the next episode why so john is being interrogated and nothing is coming up of it but because they cannot pin him to k turner and any kind of they have no physical evidence there's no like fingerprints on the clothes there's no like blood smear on her anything like that they're like okay we have to let him go so he is the he is the suspect. Everybody knows he killed Kay Turner. Everybody fucking knows. But there's nothing they can do about it. And I think that pr- kind of brings us to the point, like, if he had been convicted of this, obviously Rashonda would still be here. But John kind of starts connecting himself because he's the one who brings up to other people in the community that he was part of of the Kay Turner investigation. And he was really inappropriate. Like one of the detectives said when they were out looking for Rashonda, he would like comment like on her breast size or like when she would get her period, just kind of like personal things that like, I don't think a dad would do or even like a good stepfather would do. Like I could understand if they were like, they asked him specifically, like was, you know, she developed and he was like, yes, she was. That's different. Yeah. Right. They were like out looking for her and he's just talking to the police officer about his stepdaughter's breasts fucking gross and then they start talking to john about like the timeline of the day that ever shana goes missing he tells the police mind you now we're back in 1990 so then he tells the police that he had come home early and that's when he had seen her but then he had left again and then from the time he left and the time they got home later that night like at five 
5.30, Rashonda had disappeared. He had all of these theories of what happened. Um, He was like, oh, you know, this little girl, she's developing. She like walked outside. Probably some dude probably saw her and stole her and took her down the interstate. All of these stories, right? Um, But it's interesting because then they're like, okay, so Rashonda's missing. You guys aren't looking for her. You haven't called the police. What other things were you doing that night? And then he starts to describe what he and Linda did that night. And mind you, this is what blows my mind because Linda's daughter is missing and Linda's daughter, Linda thinks her daughter for a while. And I don't know if this was like maybe before this happened, or I'm hoping it was before they realized that she wasn't at the neighbors. Cause remember there was a period of time where they're like, Oh yeah, we thought she was at the neighbor's house. I'm really hoping it was before, but basically low sexual interested John, because he tells them that like, I have very low sex interest. Like my wife thinks it's weird. Had the best sex of his life that night. Literally he and Linda engaged in marital coitus like they had never before. And it was great. According to John, literally, if you watch the documentary, you will hear him basically brag about this phenomenal sex he had. His stepdaughter is missing. I don't have kids and I'm not married to anyone with children. I'm not married at all. But like if some child in my life that I loved was missing, like a bug was missing, I would barely eat. I would be like so like on edge that I wouldn't be able to focus on anything. Right. Exactly. Like what? Let alone have sex. Right. Like what the fuck? And then talk about it. It's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember back the beginning when I was talking about her friends, Mandy and Michelle, like basically they had started talking to her and they'd noticed that she was really kind of like, she wasn't really herself. She wasn't doing her hair. She wasn't getting ready for school. Like, well, she just like, she hated to go home. And Michelle was like, well, what, what's going on? And she's like, you know what you told me that happens to you? at your house? And she goes, yeah, that's happening at my house. So basically she's telling Michelle and Mandy that she's being sexually assaulted by John. If you remember her brother, Byron, he tells a story about the fact that like one night Linda had been, like she had stayed in Sweet Home, which is about like 20 miles away or something like that. Like that's where she worked, but she stayed overnight there. You know, it's a mountain town. There could have been snow. There could have been a million reasons why she didn't stay the night or she didn't come home. But he remembers that she was gone. It was just the three of them. And he'd gotten up to get like water or something. And he like walked by Rashonda's room and John was like kneeling next to her. And Rashonda was like awake. And they were like laying there and um, he was like, what the fuck is going on essentially? And John played it off like Rashonda had had a nightmare and he had come in, which like if you see that moment, like if you have no inkling that like this man is sexually assaulting someone, like parents do that. Like parents will go in and comfort their children. Yeah, you'd have no reason to think anything else was happening. Right. And you also have to think that Byron is also a child. Right, exactly. They'd just be like, oh, okay, and go to sleep. Like, that's a very valid response. Right. I just didn't want people to be like, why didn't Byron say anything? Well, probably because he just, it wasn't, like, if you remember in the first episode when Steve was like, oh, you're, this is an excuse to go and have sex. Like, Byron wasn't thinking that way. So I don't want people to come for Byron either. Like, I just get really, like, come for Linda a little bit because, like, girl, your kid is missing and you're having sex, but, like, not Byron. It's definitely interesting that John has been involved with these kind of things before and they're just not all surfacing. Now, we know that 
the thing happened with Kay. But there's another story that we have to discuss, and that is the case of Marlene Gabrielson. Marlene Gabrielson was a woman, she was 19 in 1977, and she was a young mom. Like, her baby had just been born. In fact, she prefaces saying that she was still breastfeeding her child. So just to kind of give you kind of like an indication of like how small her child is, like that she was like only breastfeeding, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. She had gone out to a local town by the name of Sisters. It's about 25 miles away from the junction where John lived with his family during the time of Roshonda's disappearance, though he lived in a completely different way. And she kind of lived, Marlene lived someplace else as well. But just to kind of give you information, it's all kind of like this like 30 mile radius of this area. And Marlene had gone out with her husband and they were having a good night and his her husband's name was Bill and they were just having a good time. And, you know, she was a new mom and she hadn't had, you know, she hadn't drank in a few months. And she said basically a year. And, you know, if you <laughs> if you d- stop drinking for a while, then you start drinking again. Your tolerance. I'm sure some people who are doing dry January are going to feel it in, November- in February when they're like, oh, shit, this one beer hit a little hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, and she had she was talking about the fact that like, you know, she'd been home with her baby and all she'd been wearing is like cut off gym clothes and like, you know, baggy stuff. And she had gotten dressed up. She felt really good about herself. She was wearing tight jeans and she had sexy boots on and, you know, she was all excited. Well, then Bill ran into some friends that he hadn't seen in forever. And he was like, I really want to go hang out with them. They want to go to this bar. And she's like, fuck that. I came out with you and they get into a tiff. And then she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going home. Now this is the seventies. And then literally up until like the nineties, people actively hitchhiked. Mm -hmm. They did this a lot. And she was like, you know what? I'm just going to go home. And so she tells Bill, I'll see you at home, blah, blah, blah. She goes out to Highway 20. She sticks out her thumb and a truck rolls up. And the truck driver, and I'm talking about pickup truck, is John Aykroyd. And he picks her up and she just sees him and he just kind of looks like a good old boy. And she's like, okay, I'm going here. It was actually the opposite direction that he lived in. But he was like, sure, I'll take you home. You know, and that probably felt really good that some guy was like willing to give her a ride home way out of his way because, you know, she needed to. She was like, look, I have a kid. I need to get home. She's like upset and she just kind of like is a little on edge, but she just she notices that the little like I'm going to call it a doohickey right now because I can't remember what it's called. You know, the switch that you lock your doors. If you remember like old cars have like a button lever that you'd like pull Mm. up and down. Yeah, that was missing on the truck. And she was by the time she noticed this, the truck had been moving. This wasn't like the door was closing and she saw it. She hadn't seen it. So she actually is tired and she falls asleep. Well, then all of a sudden she just feels her feet kind of be yanked out from underneath her and she's being drugged out of a car. So she like hits herself like her head all the way down and she gets out and John has a knife and he's threatening her and he's like, what are we going to do? And she was like, look, whatever. In her mind, she's like, I got to get home to my baby. I don't want my baby to grow up without a mom. And he grabs her jeans and like rips them from the zipper and like pulls them down and they won't like she's got boots on and they won't come off. So he just takes his knife and cuts the boots open and he proceeds to he rapes her. And then afterwards, he's like, what am I going to do with you? And she's like, just take me home. Well, at this point, John's not smart. 
And he goes, cool, I'll just take you home. Because she was like, I'm not going to say anything. Lies and fuckery, sir. She's going to tell everyone. She goes home. She actually has him drop her off at her mother-in-law's house. She goes there banging on the door, call the cops. They go, they call the cops and she goes down. Now, I only say this because I don't actually, like, it should never matter the color of someone's skin, their ethnicity, and getting help. Marlene is a Native American. She is an indigenous woman. And because of that... There's already a discrepancy against her. I mean, it still happens today in many, many places around this country where indigenous women are not believed, especially if a white man is involved. So she goes and she tells the police, hey, I was raped. They are like, are you sure you're just not regretting? Like, it's that whole like, what were you wearing? Were you being suggestive? Did you like basically saying, did you invite this man to rape you? Right. You know, it reminded me of when the girl that got away from Robert Hansen in Alaska. Remember, nobody wanted to believe her either. That's true. So fucking awful. I hate this. I mean, it still happens. I just I hate it. Yeah. And we just did a case in like the later part of 2023, where we watched that documentary about women who filed a police report about sexual harassment or being sexually assaulted, and they're basically being called liars, and they were prosecuted. So they go and they get John and they bring him down for questioning. And basically, he stated that he had picked her up in town and she was like begging people for a ride. And he was like, fine, I'll give you a ride home. And then she kept talking about how she was like worried about her baby, which if I was a cop, this would have been something that would have stuck into my head. But apparently these cops were like, what? Because he went from, oh, yeah, no, she was like worried about her baby. And you can like on there's a recording that they play in the documentary. And then he goes, and then she came on to me. And I'm like, I don't know many moms who are like, this was her first time away from her baby. This was her first night out. She was a little tipsy. I don't think she was like throwing herself at him. And that just doesn't track as like a logical path. No. And she had the clothes that had been cut and everything. And his thing was, is the re- this is his reasoning why she went to the cops. Because they were like, well, why would she go to the cops? And he goes, well, I couldn't get it up. And she was mad. Sir, no woman is going to call the cops because you're impotent. They're just going to tell everyone. They ain't calling the cops and be like, he raped me. Because especially like you can, even then they could look and see if someone had been like, if someone had had sex recently. And the fact that like if you hadn't gotten it up there wouldn't be evidence so he was a liar but the cops didn't believe him you can kind of tell that she carries some guilt with her because like she did drop charges and i know that he was like well they dropped the charges so you know i'm not guilty but it's like no that she dropped the charges when she realized that no one was willing to believe her like why pursue something why go down the path and be persecuted and called names. And she's like, at this point, she was 19 when this happened. She was 66 at the time of filming. And she said, like, there isn't a time where she, like, bathes, where she's, like, washing herself that she doesn't think of this moment. My brain blew. I was just like, that's so long to think about that. And then probably add in the fact that, like, Kay Turner goes missing a year later. And then 12 years after that, or 13 years after that happened, his stepdaughter goes missing. It's kind of like... A big thing that happened. And I don't know, my heart breaks. I know, it's so awful. Now, there is some evidence that kind of puts him, and it's like a sticky situation for the cops. It's a lot like the K. Turner evidence. So at the house, they find blood at the house, like in the gr- in the driveway. But they're like, she lived here. So she could have fallen down and scratched her knee and blood on the ground. She could have had a bloody nose and blood on the ground. She could have hit her head and been bleeding. They also found blood in 
his truck that was hers. But again, she had access to his vehicle and he would give her rides a lot. So like, was that blood from this situation? They found a rope that had her hair entwined in it. And when they asked her about that or asked him about that, he was like, oh, she was playing with some kittens because there was blood on the rope too. But it wasn't like saturated. It was just like specks of blood. And he's like, she must have gotten scratched by the kittens. And like she was playing and she was like whipping it kind of around her head. So it must have pulled a hair out. And they're like, okay. I mean, yes, this seems very far-fetched and not really believable. But at the same time, like weirder shit has happened. I get my head stuck in weird shit because I'm not, I'm clumsy, you know? And so, and it could also be like, think about it. Like, let's say she had had her hairbrush in his truck and then put the hairbrush down on top of the rope. And then he's doing something with the rope and the hair gets caught in it. I crochet... And my hair gets caught in it if it falls out. Fibrous materials cling on to hair. So they couldn't be like definitive. This particular piece of evidence came from you abducting your stepdaughter and murdering her. So that's kind of where this episode ends, except for the fact that uh, the people in the junction were like, we don't want him here anymore. And so his company, the state, basically the state of Oregon was like, cool, we'll move him to a very, to a college town. Yeah. Great. Yeah. They moved him to happier hunting grounds and we will be back with the next episode where we talk about his, that we know of final two victims. We will see you back here on Thursday for that. All right. So have a good one, guys. Bye. Toodles. Toodles.